Global Crisis Bible Prophecy Health and Preparedness You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch Father in heaven, we ask for your presence and your blessing to be with us now, that we might become more like Jesus, that we might love your word, and that we might be ready for his soon coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. I'm Scott Ritzema, your host for this news broadcast once again that we do daily weekdays. And I'll tell you something, the news and information only just continues to get more interesting and relevant from a biblically prophetic standpoint. We saw incredible things. I was thinking back on just yesterday's broadcast. Unbelievable. Just item after item after item. The European Union literally talking about after the Brexit, they just came out and they're saying things like, we're just going to start moving toward abolishing the central banks and the militaries of the member nations. In other words, just just abolishing the nationhood of the member states of the European Union and developing this super national government that they've been aiming for. Then we had the U.S. District Court judge just come out and say, this, this lecturer at the University of Chicago School of Law, you know what? The Constitution really is irrelevant. There's no reason to study it. It doesn't apply to our times. It's speechless is all I can say. When you read something like that, the Supreme Court then also just a couple of days ago, we reported on this in the broadcast as well, greasing the skids for more abortions, overruling regulations in Texas. And then the Democratic Party platform coming out and just saying, we need to go ahead and prosecute those who deny man-made global warming, prosecute them for their scientific beliefs and for their speech. Now, that's just some of the news that relates to national sovereignty, constitutional political liberties related issues how about this one from a cultural standpoint this is today's news and information you've heard of the daily show they put out a tweet that says celebrate the supreme court ruling go knock someone up in texas what is that getting at it's a euphemism of course for getting somebody pregnant and now you can go do that in Texas because abortions are much more freely available and accessible. Well, obviously, The Daily Show came under a lot of scrutiny and criticism for putting that tweet out saying we should celebrate the Supreme Court decision by going and getting somebody pregnant and implication thereupon aborting that life, killing that fetus, that baby. So... They came back with another one. Friends, we're certainly not promoting abortions. Just excited about the Supreme Court of the United States re um, reaffirming the right to choose. So they kind of tried to walk that back a little bit. But this is an indication, my friends, of a cultural disease, of a absolute immoral craving that has overtaken. Our, we're going to celebrate by, you know, and of course, maybe they were just making a joke. This is the Daily Show, of course, but highly inappropriate to make a joke about killing somebody right anyway that's the world we live in today but it's getting even more interesting today as well on the european union front 
The European Parliament president has come out and said, quote, the British have violated the rules. It is not the EU philosophy that the crowd can decide its fate. That's got to be one of the most undemocratic statements that I've ever heard. And we are indeed prophetically, my friends, in a time where dictatorial and authoritarian streams of thought are coming into vogue, rolling back freedom of speech, curtailing religious liberty, and a democratic vote on the part of the British gets a, a, a scoffing from the European Union saying that you can't have the democratic will of the people deciding that they want to have their own nation. Now, by the way, I should, as a very strong word of caution, mention that uh, from a religious liberty standpoint, the misguided and tyrannical opinion of the mass mind that's swayed by devilish influences and government propaganda and evil deceptions of Satan in the last days that can be just as dangerous as a totalitarian state because you can have mob rule, right? We had um, Benjamin Franklin back in the day made a really astute statement. He said democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for lunch. But the founders of this country did not put in place a pure majority rule type of democracy where whatever the majority wants all automatically goes. No. The system we have is called a rule of law system where there are constitutional protections in place so that even if the majority votes or wants to take away the rights of the minority, say you've got an unpopular religion, unpopular speech, and the majority says, shut it down, take away their rights. Well, in the United States constitutional system, you can't do that. Religious liberty is protected, even if the person stands alone. The constitutional rule of law protects individual liberty, even when tyrants or mob majority mass, uh, what they call mob rule or, or tyranny of the majority, even when either of those two threatens freedom, whether it's a tyrannical government or a um, tyranny of the majority mob rule scenario, you have the protections of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And I'm so thankful for that. So I share that as a, as a way to temper our critique of the statement of European Parliament president that says, well, the British have violated the rules. It is not the EU philosophy that the crowd can decide its fate. Well, certainly on the one hand, the British have their own rule of law system, right? And when the European Union, they feel, is overruling that, well, they simply asserted their national sovereignty. So that was in harmony with British law and national rule of law. So you never want to celebrate just a majority making a decision because a majority just might, and we know that it will happen in the last days, make very horrible, oppressive enactments and decisions. I'm referring to, of course, Revelation 13. When in the last days, it says the whole world wondered after the beast. And so that's not just some rogue, political, authoritarian dictation. That is the people, the masses, by and large, getting behind that and even pushing it forward. Now, that's all the news from recent days. You're probably wondering, why hasn't he started talking about 
the real big news of the day. Tragic, tragic, top news story, obviously, in the world today. The attacks at the Istanbul airport yesterday with a number of suicide bombers with bombs and machine guns attacking this this very cosmopolitan center in Turkey. If you the, the experts were saying, boy, this has the signature of an attack on on a western cosmopolitan pluralistic diverse group of people by you can assume the suicide bombing signature the ISIS jihadist agenda, dozens of people dead, dozens more wounded. Our hearts break for the families. This is this senseless, needless violence and demonically inspired evil that is a scourge upon the globe. And it's not just this one group. There's a institutionalized and organized evil in all sorts of different settings. But this one, particularly important. In fact, you might remember that right after the Orlando shooting, on this very broadcast, I said, watch for more events this month, during the month of Ramadan, from the beginning of June to the beginning of July. This is the Islamic holy month, which the vast majority of Muslims, and I'm thankful for this, do not celebrate by killing people and blowing themselves up. The vast, vast majority of them have a time of, of fasting and a time of religious consecration. And we want to respect and celebrate freedom of religion and freedom of conscience. Even though we can say that we disagree, we can say that we believe this religion is not true, that the Bible is the only inspired word of God. That's also part of a free society to be able to say we can coexist peacefully. But that's not what this is about. This is of the devil. What we're seeing in Turkey, in Orlando, in San Bernardino, in Paris. And have you ever noticed that just a few years ago, it's like these attacks would happen every few years. Then it was every few months. Now, apparently every few weeks. What's next? There's a whole lot to look at here. You don't want to springboard into a crusader mentality. That's the temptation for many Christians. When you see these events, you you immediately get your righteous indignation and hopefully you don't say, start saying things like, vengeance is mine. No, the Bible says vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So let's not get, get into the nationalistic, militaristic fervor of let's go and take care of these people. No, you know what? We have the everlasting gospel to share with every person in the world and and governments and military and security forces and all of the all of those agencies and entities in this world will do their appointed task and their that needs to be done we don't want to take that away from them there are important roles to be played in terms of using force military police and otherwise in our world but the christian impulse what what drives in our hearts the predominating thought ought to be, we've got to convert these people to the love of Jesus Christ. We have got to be reaching out in a way that, of course, isn't reckless and presumptuous and putting your own life in danger. But I think of the missionary activity. I think of the work that's being done, even in the West, with 
many, many, many Muslims who have a whole lot more in common with the Bible than you might think. And many, most of them, much more willing to have a discussion and dialogue and to pursue truth and have an open discourse than you might think. So also don't let these attacks cause us to have some sort of stereotypical and closed off view of this very large people group who are children of God that God wants to save to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ is offered to them sinners just as it is to us sinners. But you know from a geopolitical standpoint we only see violence increasing in this world. We see the attacks increasing. This is all a precedent setting phase. Destabilization is going to lead to chaos and order comes out of chaos which is an imposed dictatorial order freedoms will be curtailed security measures imposed so all of this has prophetic implications when you look at prophecy and you see the final fulfillment of revelation 13 involving a controversy over the law of god a controversy over god's truth versus man's truth and the powers of this age enforce at the point of violence and coercion and intimidation and no buy no sell laws that whole system of, of coercive pressure and power is implied applied in a context of tremendous crisis and we're seeing that ramp up right before our very eyes we'll be right back to financially support this broadcast visit 11thhourdispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road Lakeview, Michigan, 48850. The frontal lobe of the brain is under attack. It's the spiritual epicenter of the human soul. Altruism, empathy, discernment, self-control, conscience, reasoning, pretty much every Christian virtue all happen in the frontal lobe. So is it any surprise then that 21st century entertainment turns off this important area of the brain? Brain circuits that you don't use become weakened. Just like an unused muscle, it turns to mush. It's saturating our lives. Hollywood, popular music, video gaming, spectator sports, multitasking, and distraction. So what does the latest science say about the mind-altering effects of 21st century media? And what is the spiritual agenda in the entertainment industry? Visit 11thHourDispatch.com, use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate for the DVD set called Media on the Brain. Merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. And boy, I am so glad. So very glad, with a deep breath and a peaceful thought, and resting in the everlasting arms of God. So glad to be able to ponder and contemplate and think upon these things, that which is true and noble and right and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. 
Jesus Christ and him crucified, the wonderful, merciful Savior, that precious Redeemer and friend. Oh, how that love drives out all fear. When you are committed to Jesus Christ, committed to the truth of the gospel, though the heavens may fall, you will stand for the right. When you pursue a relationship with him, where you know him as your special companion, as somebody who you can pray to and hear his still small voice speaking to the heart, living the true Bible religion of Christianity in your moment-by-moment experience brings peace above the storm. A peace that transcends all understanding. That even though the world just is getting absolutely crazier by the day, we can rest assured that Jesus is coming soon. All of these things are just signs of the end times. Signs that his coming is getting nearer and nearer. We are closer to the second coming of Jesus today than we were yesterday. We've never been so close to the second coming of Jesus as we are today. We don't set dates. We don't know when. But we know when it is near. And we know that these signs of the times, whether it's the increase of wars and rumors of wars and violence and bloodshed as we've been looking at before the break, whether it's the curtailing of freedom that we see on the horizon in the book of Revelation, whatever the sign is, it comes as birth pangs, Jesus said in Matthew 24. Birth pangs, meaning it comes intense and then it kind of pulls back. And then it comes more intense and then pulls back. And then it comes more intense, a little bit closer together, a little bit more intense each time. So the sky is not falling today. But we do have to be prepared. We can't just sit back and say, ah, yes, you know what? People have been saying he's coming soon for a long time. (laughs) Those silly Advent believers. And we scoff. You know what? That's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Next time you hear somebody say that, remind yourself they're fulfilling Bible prophecy. The Apostle Peter says that in the, in the last days, scoffers will come, saying, where is this coming? Things are just going on since they always have. That's the temptation. When Jesus tarries, as the Bible said he would, though he tarry, yet wait for it. And if these days were not shortened, then no flesh would survive. He will cut the work short in righteousness. I'm really excited about that. So even while it may seem like he tarries, those final events will come like a flood, the Bible says. It will be like a thief in the night, the Bible says. So always be ready, not out of fear, not out of a sense of anxiety. What am I going to be ready? Christ is our righteousness. There's no I in that at all. You are ready if you are looking upon him right now in faith, trusting in the merits of the cross and his righteousness that he wrought out on that great day. That's why we call it Good Friday. It's good because, wow, I can say that I'm in Christ and I'm a new creation now. The old has gone, the new has come. So that when he comes again, he'll separate the sheep from the goats. There will be some that don't make it. But what does it take to make it? To receive the blood of Jesus Christ, which taketh away the sin of the world. That gospel message never gets stale, never gets old, never gets irrelevant. The gospel message every day needs to be our thought, which gives us that peace, that wonderful, merciful Savior, that precious Redeemer and friend. Gives us the peace in the times of tumult that we find all around us, like this one, speaking of religious liberty, 
Catholic News Agency reports the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom has a new chairman, and for the first time, the position... Now, before I read the rest, the position of the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom has a new chairman, and for the first time, this position of this, uh, being being focused on religious freedom will be held by a Catholic Jesuit priest. Jesuit priest Father Thomas Reese was first appointed to a two-year term as a member of the commission by President Barack Obama in 2014 and reappointed in 2016. Now he will take over as the chair of the organization, an independent bipartisan commission that monitors and reviews religious freedom violations. Now, did you catch that? If you know anything about the Jesuit order... It was founded and instituted for the purpose of overturning religious freedom and religious liberty in Europe, the Protestant Reformation, and reinstituting through every means necessary, coercion, deception, every dark and cloak and dagger method that the Jesuits have become famous for for centuries. That institution was intended for the very purpose of overruling religious liberty and now we got the fox guarding the hen house. Like, literally, we've got a Jesuit in the position of religious freedom commissioner overseeing this important work. And the Lord can meet everybody where they're at. So pray for this man. This is not a condemnation of him or any Islamic jihadist, jihadist or anybody in the world. Any person can, if they so will, Submit to the working of the Spirit of God in their life. So my hope and prayer is that we see high-level conversions of all kinds from the most unexpected places. People that were avowed enemies of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. In this case, from an institution that is that is avowedly anti-religious liberty, meaning the Jesuit order, the Society of Jesus, as it's called. I've had extensive discussions with top academic apologists within Catholicism. And while many and most Catholics would affirm the same thing that we believe about the First Amendment and the freedom of conscience and religious liberty, when it comes down to it, doctrine within this Dark Ages religion, today known as Roman Catholicism, which most people don't actually adhere to, most Catholics aren't part of what you would knowingly believe in as this Dark Ages doctrinal uh, supposition. But the idea is sim- is simple. It comes out from the apologists and the Jesuits and anybody that you really probe on this. No, freedom of religion really doesn't exist. One of these days I should pull back some of my email, extensive email conversations with these apologists. And there is a perception, there's a, there's a profession of we, we promote religious liberty. But then when it comes down to it, not so much. So we'll see. We'll see how things go here in the last days. Indeed, our prayers are lifted up before the Almighty God that religious liberty would remain for a season, for the needed time, that those four angels holding back the four winds of strife would would keep the, the economic crises and global warfare culminations and religious liberties crackdowns, that all of this would would hold off because we've got a work to do right now. In fact, that's the focus. That's really the focus of our lives. Yes, to behold Jesus Christ, to receive his everlasting gospel. That's number one. But then we've got a work to do. The three angels' messages of Revelation 14 need to go out before it's too late. 
Many people are perishing without a knowledge of these present truths. And so the sense of urgency only increases more when you see Jesuits being appointed to religious freedom commissions. And again, not not meant to be a categorical, discriminatory, stereotypical statement. I love every Catholic I've ever met. So most Roman Catholic believers today have no idea about what the church actually states and stands for and believes throughout the centuries from papal edicts on down the line. And and most don't really know how nefarious the Jesuit order has been throughout history. So if you're listening to this and you're Roman Catholic, I view you the same as I view every human being on the planet. We're all children of God. We all must receive the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ, his shed blood, and that means his righteousness and his alone, not by works of man. But I consider you a fellow child of God, which in a way, even the bomber of Istanbul's airport, even the voodoo practitioner, the atheist, the practicing witch, the abortionist, you name it, the Buddhist, the Hindu, the Catholic, the Protestant who holds to false beliefs about the Bible. All of us are united by one common thing. God made us all. Jesus died for us all. And he loves every single one of us. And don't you wish we could all walk into the kingdom of God together? Don't you wish every person from every walk of life today would accept the Bible and the Bible alone as as their rule of authority and salvation through Jesus Christ alone? That's the plea, that's the call, that's the invitation of God today because there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ alone. And that doesn't mean God's mad at or hates or is out to get anybody else and neither am I. Well, I guess I am out to get you with the message of hope and truth that'll give you eternal life and save you from the destruction that many will endure in that final day of judgment. So that's the great hope. Jesus is coming soon, and we can be ready as we rest in his salvation, the free gift. There's nothing we need to do. You've heard the gospel before, I hope. If you haven't, it's as simple as this. Jesus was the king of heaven, and is. Prior to him coming as a baby to this earth, he preexisted. He is God. He, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, created this world. He is the God of heaven, the creator, and he became a helpless baby to come to this world because human beings rebelled. We're all born in sin, conceived in iniquity. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. If we don't receive what Jesus came to do, we all die. We've all got a death sentence on us. But he came to die in our place. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, it says. It says, by his stripes we are healed because each one of us has gone to his own way. Like sheep, we have turned to his own way, to our own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus Christ died in our stead, in our behalf. And he offers to us the free gift of salvation, the free gift of the water of life, he calls it. Not by our works, but just by our 
looking to him in faith and trusting that his shed blood on the cross paid for my sins and that him overcoming sin in his human person gives us the mind of Christ that we might overcome and be saved. To be saved means to be healed, to be restored, to be readied for the soon coming of Jesus in this incredible and epic time in which we live today. May that be our focus. As the world falls apart, may we more clearly focus on and see the beauty of Christ in the cross. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. Neuropsychology of Rock, we read, Whether the words are evil, innocuous, or based in the Holy Scripture, the overall neurophysiological effects generated by rock music remain the same. Was some of this going on already before the rock and roll movement? In the 19th century, some Christians observed in a camp meeting worship scene what was called a bedlam of noise that shocks the senses. One Christian writer predicts, just before Christ's coming, there will be shouting with drums, music, and dancing. The senses of rational beings will become so confused that they cannot be trusted to make right decisions. And this is called the moving of the Holy Spirit. Very serious warning. They knew somehow that in the last days, before Jesus' coming, Satan would use music in a way to make it a snare for us. Not the lyrics, the way in which it is conducted. And that people's senses would be lost. Brought to you by BeltofTruthMinistries.org.